What's the most reliable book in history? Find out next on 41 Strong. Hey everyone, welcome to 41 Strong Podcast. Chuck Tate here in the studios downtown Peoria. Happy New Year, happy new decade. It's a brand new podcast with a brand new season. So I just want to say thanks for hanging out. For more information about 41 Strong, you can go to my website, chuckytate.com, chuckytate.com. For more information about the number 41, what is that all about? You can go to 41willcome.com. In fact, there's a free seven-day reading devotional on Uversion Bible app. You can participate in that if you'd like. More than 10,000 people completed our reading plan in 2019. So we encourage you to check it out as well. I also would love to hear from you regarding what guest you would like to see and hear on 41 Strong. You can go to my website, there's a, a contact button, an email, and you can jot me a note and send me a message. I'd love to, to hear from you. Or you can just comment in the live stream feed on our Facebook page. But I want to hear back from you. What guest or guest would you love to have on 41 Strong? Let me know. Well, today is episode 154, and we're going to lay a foundation for the rest of the year. Really, it's a foundation for for who I am as a believer, and if you're a follower of Christ, then your worldview matters. You either have a secular worldview or you have a biblical worldview. So the first question that I want to answer is, what the heck is a worldview? All right, well, I'm so glad you asked. A worldview is the structure of understanding that we use to make sense of our world. Worldview includes how we process events, how we process news and experiences, and then, of course, how we arrive at our conclusions. It's how we make our decisions and how we determine our actions and our responses. All of these are structures. Usually our decisions are made on the basis of a pre-existing belief or assumption. So the goal of this podcast today is to help you establish the Bible as the structure of your lives. I believe that the Bible is absolute truth. In fact, the New Testament is the most reliable book in history, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But why the Bible? Of course, Jesus said that he's the living word, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. John 1, 14 says the Word became flesh, all right, became human when G Jesus showed up in a manger, all right? We celebrated Christmas just a couple, couple weeks ago. But for those of you that are unfamiliar, the Bible is not just a book, but it's a collection of books, 66 books, and throughout the previous 153 episodes of 41 Strong, on several occasions, I have rattled off some numbers about the Bible, and the reason I do is to pound them home. I hope that you know what you believe, and I really hope you know why you believe it. And maybe you're on the fence today, and I hope by 
taking an objective look at some of these things regarding Scripture, you will purpose in your heart to have a biblical worldview, to weigh everything with Scripture, all right, to base all of your, your actions and responses on what the Word has to say. So the Bible is a collection of 66 books written by 40 authors, three continents, in three languages from 16 countries. The Bible contains 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, and 783,137 words. And it's God speaking to us, and there's one hero of the story, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way to go to heaven, the only way to have a relationship with the creator of the universe is through Jesus. Jesus is a historical figure. It's not debated, right? In fact, we have more archaeological discoveries to validate scripture than any book in history. So before you determine whether you're going to have a secular worldview or a biblical worldview, then we need to ask ourselves, is the Bible true? Let me just say that there is archaeological evidence to support Scripture. There is scientific evidence to support Scripture. There is historical evidence to support Scripture. There's circumstantial evidence to support Scripture. Now here's how the New Testament was developed, all right? The books were written from various places. By the way, we have 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. Now, the New Testament was developed. The books were written from various places like Jerusalem, Antioch, Corinth, Rome. The books were copied and circulated. The books were copied carefully. In fact, we have 15,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. We have more manuscripts for the New Testament than any book in history. We have... Um, we always copy from the Greek, and I asked at the beginning of this podcast, what's the most reliable book in history? And the answer is the New Testament, all right? And here, here's why. Because of the care in copying the manuscripts, it's the number of copies we have to compare and the closeness of the copies to the original. But more than anything, it's the people who wrote the New Testament were eyewitnesses eyewitnesses. Luke chapter 1 verse 1 says, many people have written accounts about the events that took place among us. They used other source material, the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses of what God had done in fulfillment of his promises. Luke says, having carefully investigated all of these counts from the beginning, I have decided to write a careful summary for you to reassure you of the truth of all that you were taught. So Luke, he has investigated eyewitnesses. He bases his writings on reports of meeting with eyewitnesses. He was a, a physician. All right, and he says, "Look, this is I'm, this is not just hearsay. This is carefully thought out. All right, this is carefully investigated." 
All right, 1 John 1, 1, John says, The one who existed from the beginning is the one we have heard and seen. John says, We have seen him with our own eyes. We have touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ, the word of life. John was a disciple. He was in Jesus' inner circle. He's an historical figure, as was Luke. And because he was a disciple, he witnessed Jesus with his own eyes. He had a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus, spent three years with Jesus, watching Jesus heal the sick. Not just him, but Peter. Peter was another disciple within the inner circle, those close three, right? Peter, James, and John. Peter says in 2 Peter 1.16, for we, we're not making up clever stories when we told you about the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and his coming again. We have literally seen his majestic splendor with our own eyes, all right? Peter witnessed Jesus open up blind eyes. He witnessed Jesus unstop deaf ears. He was there when Jesus healed demon-possessed people, when he cast out evil spirits. He witnessed Jesus raise a little girl from the dead. He saw Lazarus come out of a tomb. But more importantly, he saw Jesus die, and he saw Jesus alive after he was dead. What would explain the transformation in character of the disciples all right, before Jesus went to the cross, they were wusses, right? They fled. When Jesus was betrayed and led away, they split. They were on the run. They were afraid for their lives. But in the end, they all laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel. They refused to say the resurrection was a hoax. Why? Because they saw Jesus die and they saw Jesus live again. All right, you don't lay down your life to cover up a lie. But yet all of them were martyred for the sake of the gospel. The only one who wasn't martyred to death was John, but he was boiled alive in a pot of boiling oil, right? And, um, but he, sur he survived. The key point I'm making is the New Testament it was written by, by eyewitnesses. Luke also says in Acts chapter 22, or Acts chapter 2, verse 22 and verse 32. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing wonderful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. This prophecy was speaking of Jesus whom God raised from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this, all right? Once again, Luke says, I'm a witness all my reports are based on sitting down with witnesses. And he points out that there were signs. So many people miss the signs. Don't you be one of them. It is so crystal clear. It requires more faith. If you will truly take an objective look at some of the things that I'm sharing this morning, if you would do your own investigation, you will find that it requires more faith not to believe the Bible, than to believe it. How else can you explain all the prophecies that were written in the Old Testament that were fulfilled through Jesus in the New Testament? Experts place the writings of the New Testament accounts of Jesus 30 to 45 years after his death. This means that there were eyewitnesses still alive at the time that it was written. All right, so if it wasn't true, they would have been discredited. 
All right. For example, for those of you that are, you're watching this podcast live. A lot of you, you download the podcast. You're like me. You don't watch podcasts. You listen to them. Perhaps you're on a treadmill right now or driving in your car. All right. But some of you, you're watching live on Facebook right now. And I can't, I can't see the Facebook page, so I don't know who's, who is, um, who is watching and unless I pull it up on my computer right now and start um, talking to you um, who are commenting or whatever. All right. So but here's the deal. For those of you that are watching live, if, if somebody told you, hey, um, you know, by the way, I know you say you watch this podcast with this guy named Chuck Tate, but he actually passed away seven years ago. You would be like, um, no, you're an idiot because I watched him live today. I'm an eyewitness. I saw him being recorded live. So it wouldn't matter what anyone said to you if somebody told you that I was not alive, that I had passed away several years ago or a few years ago, it would be discredited. And if you, if there was only one person watching, then it might be hard to prove. But if there were hundreds of people, I shared this with our, our church, when I'm standing in front of a, a crowd of, of five, 500 people on a weekend, 500 people don't have the same hallucination. If it was hallucination, if it was just one, it could be argued that, hey, you know, you know, Joe Blow says he saw Chuck Tate, but you know what? We can discredit what he said. But if 500 people say they saw me, well, you, you can't discredit that. That would hold up in a court of law. And after Jesus came out of the grave, not only did he appear, it, didn't, it wasn't like he just appeared to Peter or John, but he appeared to all the disciples and he appeared to several eyewitnesses. 500 at, at some instances, the scripture says, 500 historical documents say, all right? So it would hold up in a court of law. More on that in a second. But let me just get right back to the prophets. Let me read something by Mark Driscoll, because this, I think this will just kind of blows our mind. You know, we hear, yeah, prophecies came true. You know, it was written in the Old Testament that Jesus, you know, showed up and was crucified on the cross, but that could have been a coincidence. But what I'm going to read to you can't be a coincidence, because these are some of the prophecies that were fulfilled through Christ. We're talking about things that were written 400, 500, 700, even a thousand years before they happened. How do you explain that, right? Let's read it. A woman, it was prophesied that a woman would give birth to a son who came from the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. Bam, happened. The mother would be a virgin. Bam, happened. That she would give birth to the son in Bethlehem. Bam, happened. That as a boy, he would be taken to Egypt. Bam, happened. That he would grow up without committing a sin. Boom that he would go to the temple before 70 A.D. All those things were prophesied, written, unearthed by archaeologists, dated when they were written, and then they were fulfilled through the life of Christ hundreds of years later. And history happened exactly as it was foretold. How do you explain that? But there's more. Some other prophecies. It was prophesied that later in life, a friend who had done ministry with Jesus and saw the miracles firsthand that were prophesied about, and, had, and, and somebody that Jesus had broken bread with on many occasions, it was prophesied that that person would betray Jesus. And not only was it prophesied that he would betray Jesus, but it was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And that's what happened. All right. It was also prophesied that those 30 pieces of silver would be thrown into disgust in the temple. It was also prophesied that 
there would be false accusations made against Jesus, that he would not defend himself in trial, that he would maintain his dignity, would continue forth with his mission. His back would be bloodied, his beard would be plucked out, his reputation would be attacked. He would be crucified through his hands and his feet between two thieves. That is exactly what happened. It was written hundreds of years before it happened exactly as it was penned. It was also prophesied that Jesus' garments, the ones that he had worn, would be stripped off of him and that they would be distributed and eventually won in a dice game, that none of his bones would be broken and while on the cross, he would, be, he would feel forsaken by God the Father. All these things were written before they happened. That alone can't be disputed. All right, but what about a legal expert? John Warwick Montgomery, he's the dean of the Greenleaf Law School, this is what he has to say about all the prophecies that have been fulfilled, all the evidence that we have to support the Bible being valid. He says, the evidence of the Bible's historicity are so strong that if you were to apply the federal rules of evidence, it would stand up under any court of law as reliable. The question is, do you believe it? Or do you believe that everything is just from random chance? And if you believe that, what, do you base, what have you based your decision on? Today, I want to challenge you. Take an objective, objective look at everything that we just shared. And if you believe it's true, then you should live your life accordingly. There's a lot of people right now that are listening and watching saying, yeah, I believe the Bible. My question is, do you live what you believe? And I have to ask myself the same question. Do I live what I believe? David said in Psalms 1-1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. And that word blessed in the Hebrew is translated as happy, is translated as joyful. So this is a description of a long-term state of happiness, a lifetime of joy, if we will walk in step with the word. We can't stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of walkers, all right? This word way, it's a natural progression that once you start taking the advice of the wicked, you will begin to take their path, all right? In the Hebrew, this means a lifestyle. This is an all-encompassing term about what we do, say, and think, and how we act and appear toward others, our worldview. Again, do you have a secular worldview or a biblical world view. We have to be careful who we associate with, who we hang out with. Jesus hung out with sinners. We need to hang out with sinners. We need to have a relationship with those who don't believe the Bible so we can establish common ground, so we can share the good news because it brings great joy and it's for all people. However, if you're hanging out with people that are dragging you down, who are causing you to believe what's contrary to Scripture, then we need to cut those relationships off because the Word of God says, Bad company corrupts good morals. It corrupts good character. So David said, happy, joyful is the one who pursues the word. But if we sit in the company of mockers, we're going to end up in a place that we shouldn't be. All right. This is a person who has become one with a certain group that is fundamentally opposed to God. I mean, this is kind of like a bunch of people on Twitter. All right. This is our culture. Don't drink the culture Kool-Aid, stand on the word of God. 
study it, know why you believe it, and then live it. Base every decision you make by weighing it against Scripture. All right, I'm out of time. Thanks for hanging out with me. We've just built our foundation for the rest of the year, the rest of the year of 41 Strong. 41 Strong is a podcast that delivers encouraging scriptures, all right, to help people hold on and stand strong. And the only way you can truly hold on and stand strong is to hold on to the Word of God and stand upon it. I can't wait to visit you week after week in 2020. Don't forget to write me, let me know which guests you would love to have on the show, and I can't wait to see you next week. For our producer, Mike Sable, I'm Chuck Tate. Thanks for listening to 41 Strong. PeoriaLife.com.